0: Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. It's 4.06 on this Friday afternoon, November 3rd, 2006. If you've been listening to this show with any regularity, or if you've read Greg Palast, Mark Crispin Miller, The Conyers Report, Robert Kennedy Jr., Bob Fitrakis, etc., you know that there is overwhelming evidence that the 2000, 2002, and 2004 elections in the United States were fraudulent. Since most of the mechanisms that make the election process vulnerable are still in place, there's no reason to believe that next week's affair will be any different. In other countries, they use exit polls to indicate if there has been fraud. In the U.S., we have a compliant media who, with uh, little or no evidence, just say the exit polls are flawed. What is needed are exit polls that are as scientifically pristine as possible. That is what will be conducted as part of the 2006 Election Verification Exit Poll Project Plan. We will be discussing that today with one of its creators. She is Stephanie Singer of electionintegrity.org and director of Campaign Scientific. Uh, We're supposed to also have uh, election attorney Paul Leto on the show, but uh, we're having a little trouble getting him on the line, so maybe we'll bring him up later in the show. So right now we will have... Um, Stephanie, and we will have plenty to talk about. So we'll get into that in just a moment with her. I'll first remind you of a couple of things. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to uh, contact me, uh, uh, feedback on the show or suggestions, complaints, whatever, you can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. That's RG Larson at KUCI dot org. You can also hit me up on Myspace. That's myspace.com slash out the rabbit hole. Uh Stephanie Singer, we got you on board with us. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh we're having a little problem uh getting uh Paul on the line, so I'm not sure what's going on, if I got an incorrect number from him or I wrote it down wrong or something. So uh maybe we'll try later in the show to bring him up uh, and we'll, we'll but for now we've got Stephanie Singer and so uh yes uh, I mentioned uh, campaign scientific in electionintegrity.org so why don't you uh put it in your own words tell us a little bit about your background in the genesis of the 2006 election verification exit poll project plan
1: All right well I'm a mathematician by training and uh, I've always I was always uh involved in politics I love to I love I love to work on presidential campaigns, and uh, I worked on the two thousand and four election campaign uh, work doing some doing some uh, uh, work on i'm sorry I just got a cell phone call um, i I did work in 2004 on the voter files, that's the registration list, the list of all registered voters in any given state. Uh, And I did that for the Kerry campaign and out of that experience I realized that there was a lot of room for scientific approach to election data. Um, And that's when I started campaign scientific was after that election. But then in about May of 2005, I became aware of the papers by Stephen Freeman and Josh Middledorf and Kathy Dopp and other people about the exit poll discrepancy from the 2004 election.
0: Yeah, let's let's get into that a little bit, The because uh, we've talked about that on this show before, and it's a really important issue, and uh, just want to go over that again for people who are not aware of it, because this is super important, and... There were, you know, I was paying super close attention uh, on election day of 2004. And, you, you know, you were getting these reports, these exit poll reports of like, wow, things are looking pretty good for Kerry, looking right. not, not so good for the Bush campaign. And, uh, and in several of the swing states where they were doing this, it seemed that that. uh Kerry was ahead in, what, eight out of ten of the swing states, according to exit polls?
1: A lot of them, certainly enough to be winning.
0: Yeah, right. That's right. Especially in Ohio. And uh, so let's talk about that, that exit poll discrepancy, and then there was the sort of, oh, explain it all away real neatly and quickly, uh, of that, well, the reason it came out kind of funny is that Bush voters were just shy and didn't want to say that they voted for Bush, but there was no evidence for that. That was just kind of That's a talking right. point.
1: That's right. There was no evidence for that. There were many, many explanations put forward, and as soon as one was shot down, another one was put up, but none of them held water. Uh, thanks to the efforts of Stephen Freeman and Jonathan Simon and, and many activists, there was enough pressure on the exit pollster, Warren Matowski to force him to release a report uh, purporting to explain the discrepancy, and he did this. This report was was issued. It was timed. To, it was issued on January nineteenth, two thousand and five. Just when uh, it wouldn't be big news because of the inauguration, and uh, it it gave it gave a lot of. It was a. The report it had a lot of data in it that had not been released before, and at the beginning was an executive summary that that drew many conclusions that were simply not borne out by the data. So you had this report; it was called an evaluation, although it was written by the man who had done the work originally. I, I don't know how many times you get to write your own job evaluation without,
2: <laughs> you know, without your boss. going
1: over it with you.
2: Right, right.
1: (laughs) But uh, that's what this was. The guy who did the work wrote the evaluation and offered all sorts of theories, including this one about the shy Bush voters. But when scientists went and looked in detail at the, the evidence in this report, they found not only did the evidence not support any of these supposed explanations for the discrepancy, in fact, they found much more uh, much more evidence in that data for for suspicion and one of the things that's been very frustrating all along is that we tried very hard to get the raw data from Matoski and his company. Uh, the raw data is in every precinct where they did an exit poll they have the The results from the exit poll in that one precinct which is which is would be incredibly helpful because you could compare it in that one precinct to the official results, and that would really tell you what was going on on inside one precinct, um, but that data he refused to release refused 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 and um but there was, but there was a lot of data that he did release, um, even though he always refused to release the stuff that really would have been grist for the scientist's mill. And there are all sorts of really, really disturbing patterns. For example, that the uh, the exit poll discrepancy, which, by the way, it was always. Uh, the, the exit polls were always more in favor of Kerry, and the official results were always more in favor of Bush.
0: It wasn't like uh, some in favor of Bush, some in favor of Kerry. It was all a swing. Exit polls all said towards Kerry. Official count all said towards Bush.
1: That's right. So That's leading right. you to
0: th- be suspicious that mm, there was something going on that had a, an intelligence behind it that wanted to shift it a certain way.
1: Certainly there there's... That's the only hypothesis that has not been ruled out. Let me put it that way. Because I'm a scientist, I don't like to say I know for sure when I don't
0: know for sure. Uh, okay. But that
1: is the only hypothesis that has not been ruled out.
0: It has not been actually tested. That's right. In, in, That's
1: right. But there are other disturbing patterns in the data. For example, the exit discrepancy the, the exit poll discrepancy the discrepancy was higher in uh in swing states. Than in states that weren't swing states. Now, why would that be? I don't know.
0: Yeah, but of course, maybe. The, the discrepancy maybe in
1: the- was higher in states where the Republicans had control of the governor's mansion. Okay. And <laughs> hence, likely some control over the uh, election procedures.
0: Right. So it it all sort of points in one direction. I and, and again, you as a scientist can't exactly do that because you have to go by hard... Strict evidence, but as maybe as more of a uh, coming at it from a legal angle, you mm-hmm. can build a case of you know of definitely of circumstantial evidence, if not more, pointing in one direction. And, and we we know some very obvious things that that happened in the 2000 election in in Florida. Yes. Again, that was it, Republican operatives seemed to be behind all of this, and it all seemed to go in one direction. And and so I, I want to just get a little history here before we go on. And so we have that 2000 and then the 2004 election, which you were involved in and saw this up close. And they also in the 2004 election, now much later, uh, I think like a year later or months later, that a, a group of uh, researchers just kind of looked at all the, the exit polls nationwide and, and just came to a conclusion that it was extremely improbable that the actual va- vote count could be legit?
1: That's right. And that report was issued in, I believe it was April or May of 2005. And, and that, Who was that? Steve Freeman was one of the authors on that. There's a lovely executive summary written by Josh Middeldorf, um, and it uh in in the not too distant future all these things will be available on our website electionintegrity.org
0: Okay, electionintegrity.org and we'll yeah. give that out a couple give that out a couple more times before the show's up and some other information where people can go to get involved and do something about this you know and stand up for democracy. So so uh, yeah, that 2004 2000 election, both of those presidential elections we're talking about Many people ignore that who are advocates for uh, transparency in elections are not even talking much about the 2002 elections, where we had some very funny stuff going on, specifically in the state of Georgia. That's
1: right. That's right. So the, this was a race where Max Cleland, the popular Democrat, was up by something like five percent in the in the opinion polls. And on election day, he mysteriously lost by about one percent. Now that's a huge shift. And it was explained at the time by some kind of uh, vicious negative campaigning that was done over the weekend between when the opinion poll was taken and when the vote was cast. and these these votes were all cast on on bold machines. All right. And uh, touch screen. DREs is the term of art, direct recording electronic machines, DREs. And there is no way to recount such an election. There is no way to be sure that the voters' votes are counted as cast.
0: And even, am I correct, even if you have a paper trail on those machines, that doesn't even uh, guarantee anything because uh, just what's printed on the paper is not necessarily what's going on with the electrons there inside the machine. Am I not right?
1: Right. Well, there are a lot of issues with paper trails. I, sh- I should say, first of all, that, that uh, having a voter-verified paper trail is one of the basic building blocks of having uh, a system that can be audited, a system that can be held accountable, a system in which you can have meaningful recounts. So, let me first draw the distinction between a paper trail and a voter verified paper trail yeah. um, A voter verified paper trail is a piece of paper that is left at the polls that the voter has that has the voter's choices on it, and that the voter has had a chance to see before she leaves the polls okay so so uh it has to be. Uh, it's either a ballot that she fills out herself and is scanned by an optical scan machine, or it may be that if she's voting on a, uh, a DRE, a direct recording electronic device, on a touchscreen machine, maybe it prints out under, under a piece of plastic so she can see it, and she can say, yes, that on that paper really is what I intended to vote before she leaves the voting booth finally.
0: So, so that is at least so that's somewhat better than than not having that. Correct. It, that's right. Yeah. That's that, right. That's a step that's, in at least it's in the a right step direction.
1: in the right direction, and it's absolutely the the basic building block. But but having a paper trail is not enough because in order for the paper trail to be meaningful, you have to compare it to the electronic results.
0: Okay. So, um, yeah, we the 2002 election there especially there in Georgia the the uh um, Max Cleland uh, versus Saxby Chambliss race, and there was also the governor's race. Wasn't that a little bit funny, too? It, it,
1: yes, uh, that race was also a little bit funny. There's also the 2005 Ohio race that not so many people talk about, but there were, ironically enough, there were uh, five referenda on the ballot in Ohio in 2005, and four of them were referenda having to do with positive reforms of the voting machinery and voting, tech, voting systems in ohio and the fifth one was about something entirely different according to the opinion polls before the before the i think the thursday before the election all five were were going to pass by wide margins then uh... when waking up the day after election day you heard that in fact only one of them had passed it was the one that had nothing to do with elections and the other four had gone down to defeat and this was by they were out from the opinion polls by eight standard deviations. Just uh, if for anyone who knows what those are, the, the point is that, that uh, if something is two or three standard deviations off, if you have some kind of statistical um, prediction, if you're two or three standard deviations off, that's really lousy. It means, you're, it means that, that there's either a mistake in uh, your prediction or there's a mistake in what happened in in what you measured. So so being 8 standard deviations off it's like it's like being being on the moon. I mean it's just it's a statistical impossibility.
0: Yeah uh, yeah, a student in your class would definitely get an F for doing something like that, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without an explanation. Right, right. And and again, people, you know, people do the back explanation thing and they say, "Oh, well, how can you trust opinion polls?" Well, the fact is that you can't trust opinion polls to be dead on exactly right, okay? But you can trust them to be within one or two standard deviations.
0: And that's why they always give the uh, plus or minus, what do you call it, the... That's uh, right, uh, the
1: uh, margin of error. Margin
0: of error, and that's what's, what's so bizarre, in troubling about these last few election cycles where these races are ending up outside the the margin of error and this should be this huge red flag and you talk about in in your your proposal for the uh, 2006 election verification exit poll project plan about the in other countries this is used quite frequently by outside election observers where they say the if the result comes outside the margin of error in comparison to the exit poll we need to look into this, and they actually have overturned elections in uh, specifically Ukraine, Serbia, and uh, where, uh, Georgia?
1: Georgia, Soviet, well, well, what used to be Soviet Georgia, former Soviet Republic of Georgia. Yes, and, and one of the great ironies is that the uh, the United States government has, in those cases, really pushed exit polls. Uh, uh, yes. And, and held them up as as a really good tool for doing... For overturning elections that they wanted overturned,
0: right? And so this is, uh, <laughs> you know, can you say hypocrisy? So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, I can say hypocrisy. <laughs> right,
0: so, so we've got this is like a huge, uh, uh, just it's a scandal. And so this is we're going into this election coming up in in this problem of exit polls saying one thing totally different than the quote-unquote actual result That's and no- right. nobody doing anything about it. And then we using these, these electronic machines, these Diebold, specifically the Diebold machines, other ones are, there's problems too, but those are really bad in that they've done tests on these things, shown that they can be hacked into in a matter of a couple minutes. That's a- right. And, and you can program these things to to switch a certain percentage of votes and do it only on election day and not any other time and then there's going to be no evidence of that happening You can even erase that 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 message Uh, correct me if i'm wrong on any of this here Uh, and and that's what we're using to vote on and and, uh, so so
1: that's right that's right the the voting machine manufacturers when when you press them on this what they say in the end is oh come on You don't really, you can't possibly be saying that some people would be so dastardly as to steal an election. How could you accuse us of, how could you accuse anyone of such a terrible thing? (laughs) <laughs> that's that's what they're reduced to because they have no other defense, and that of course is no defense at all.
0: Well, oh, right, and you, all you got to do is because look at of history. of course,
1: people will try to steal elections. There's so much money and so much power involved. It's it's like baseball players. Of course, baseball players are going to take steroids, and the ones who take them are going to be more successful. How can you be surprised that baseball players take steroids? That the successful ones do because because you have to because if people who are willing to You know, I think Lyndon Johnson said it best, and he was a master of stealing elections. He said, do everything and you will win. And (laughs) in politics, politicians need to have that attitude to succeed. They need to do everything in order to win. So they are not going to safeguard the integrity of the system. It would be nice if the media safeguarded the integrity of the system, but in in the case of the 2004 election and these other elections, the media fell down on the job. Just didn't investigate this scandal. Why not? I don't know.
0: Yeah, Well, I have some theories about that. <laughs> we could go into that, but let's stick more to this. The, yeah, the, and... and... Stealing elections is definitely not a uh, thing Republicans have a monopoly on, and as you mentioned, Lyndon Johnson and Democrats have a long history of doing this. However, in the last, uh, I don't know, six or so years, it, the Republicans do seem to have somewhat of a monopoly on it, not to say that Democrats haven't been uh, uh, doing any tweaking here and there. We just haven't seen high evidence of it.
1: You know, it, it's hard to know what the Democrats have been doing, <laughs> right. because they certainly haven't been... been uh... they certainly haven't been doing the job of the opposition which is also to fight for these things if if you you know if 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 you lose a fight if you lose an election you're supposed to fight to win it this is and i'll say that in the election integrity movement there is real real bitterness towards john kerry because he didn't fight that election and and one thing that I've heard was that I've heard people say, well, he knew that there was no way he was going to win, so why should he fight it? But what I say is that fighting this election is the first step towards protecting the next election.
0: I I agree with you, and I I think Kerry was thinking like a politician and thinking about just not having the sour grapes uh, thing put on him that would make him look bad, especially if it, you know, didn't, out and then he you know, another run for president wouldn't would be completely out of order and also uh, that's
1: right although although he he could take a page from Christine Gregoire's playbook because they don't call her sore loser she challenged and they don't call her sore loser they call her governor. <laughs>
0: I, I like that. Uh, but yeah, but maybe, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Carrie's some kind of patsy. Uh, <laughs> we well, don't
1: know. To be fair to the candidates, it's, it's hard on them because there's a lot of pressure on them to concede for various reasons. It's not easy for a candidate to stand up and fight that kind of battle. Uh, because the expectation is everybody wants to know what happened on election night. Everyone wants it to be over so that on Wednesday they know which stocks to invest in or so they can go on to, you know, uh, their kids' basketball season or whatever the next thing is. You know, the American, like, okay, let's get that over and go to the next thing. Um, So I I don't want to be too hard on the candidates because there's an enormous amount of pressure on them to either concede or declare victory. However, I hope that the, uh, all this concern about the election machinery will lead some of them to be brave enough and strong enough not to concede and not to declare victory, but to wait until the official results are in and to give organizations like Election Integrity the time to do the analysis that we need to do of the votes.
0: Okay, and that's electionintegrity.org?
1: That's electionintegrity.org.
0: Okay, and so uh, we're going to get into now, we've been talking a lot of history here, and so we want to get into now. we got an election coming up in a few days, but I want to uh, go to a little break and then see if we can get election attorney Paul Leto on the line. Uh, and But, Stephanie, so I'll leave you with, before we go to the break, If uh, yeah, can you think about this over the break, the, the your... 2006 election verification exit poll project plan that you're doing for this election, how that, you know, give us a basic outline of how that works and if people want to be involved in that a little more, what they can do. Okay. Okay. So, so, okay, we're going to go to some music here and I try to get Paul Lato election attorney on the line as well. And we'll be back in, in just a few minutes. This is out the rabbit hole. I'm Robert Larson, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org, and uh, my guest uh, so far on the show today has been Stephanie Singer of ElectionIntegrity.org and director of Campaign Scientific, and uh, we'll, like I said, we'll try to get Paul Leto on the line. He's an election attorney, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. We're talking about election integrity today. And uh, I'll first remind you, was a little music there from Wayne Kramer. And we also had something from him at the beginning of the show as well as well as our usual opening song from the Stooges, I Got It Right. So, yes, we've been talking about election integrity, a very uh, timely topic with the election coming up in a few days in uh Uh, Stephanie Singer's been with us in the first half of the show, and she is with uh, electionintegrity.org. She's also the director of Campaign Scientific, and um, she's uh, going to uh, be—we went over a little bit of the history of the last few election cycles in this country and some real problems with that and why we need a a uh, much—a very strictly designed exit poll that that can help us uh, really— pinpoint if fraud is going on or give us a lot better evidence. And so uh, Stephanie's going to fill us in a little bit on that, but I also want to introduce our other guest today. He is Paul Leto, and that's uh, spelled L-E-H-T-O, and he's an election attorney. He's been working on some very important cases on behalf of democracy in America. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, It's really good to have you. Uh, Did you hear any of the first half of the show?
2: I did. I heard some of it, yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, yeah, we we were talking, like I said, a little bit about the history, and uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your uh, background, some things you've been working on the last few years, and what you're involved with uh, for this upcoming election?
2: Well, I started out as uh, one of the, uh, you know, Kerry's uh, army of so-called 19,000 lawyers, except none of us were really... Uh, uh, set for litigation, like they made it sound, it was really to help people vote, regardless of uh, party because you can 't exactly ask people you know who they support before you advise them of their rights so But as a process of sitting in the election uh, and being there when the votes were uh, you know being uh, cranked out of touch screens in my home state of Washington state on November two thousand and four i you know I saw that the vote totals that were reported the next day had an additional vote compared to the vote totals that were cranked out of the machine uh, on Election Day, and that was a total mystery. So, in uh, you know, starting out by trying to find out where that phantom vote came from, and phantom votes are, are something that crop up all over the country. There are votes on electronic uh, voting machines that just come out of nowhere. Nobody seems to know where they come from. Uh, in the process of checking that out, that led to a research paper uh, that I co authored with Dr. Jeffrey Hoffman, in which uh, we have isolated smoking gun evidence of ele- election fraud in the gubernatorial race in uh, 2004, which is the closest uh, governor's race in the history of the country, like less than 100 votes out of 3 million. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh Stephanie and and Paul, you want to say hello to each other? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Hi Paul. <laughs> Hi Stephanie.
0: So yeah, I know you guys know each other just somewhat by by phone or whatever, you've, Oh, it?
2: barely. I've
1: just been uh, admiring his work from afar from over here on the East Coast for a while.
0: It, uh, and uh so uh, uh, Paul, uh you there was an interesting thing you were talking about working on in uh Kentucky. Can you go over that real briefly?
2: Yeah, in Kentucky, uh, you know, uh, there's also touchscreen voting machines, and uh, the can't, the local elections there, they got a little bit too greedy with their uh, election cheating because, you know, basically you can certainly steal a close election and almost always get away with it because 48-52 and 52-48, you know, all the pundits will rationalize it and they'll just say, oh, I'll go back to sleep. But, you know, uh, but what they did in Kentucky is there was a statute that said that if the second-place finisher uh was you know uh, more than you know the the first place finisher had more than double the votes of the second place finisher you know like 100 to 50 or or more then the second-place finisher was barred from filing an elections contest after the election, you know, they could not do anything about the election. And when you're using paper ballots, it makes a certain amount of sense because your average, you know, uh, crime if uh, you know, of a dead voter voting or something is one vote. So, I mean, basically, if you doubled somebody up, it's pretty good evidence that, uh, you know, they won the election anyway, no matter even if there was some fraud. But... Uh, In this case, we had candidates who two years ago or four years ago were as close as two votes away from winning the election that were now losing by more than two to one now that the touchscreens got in. And so we've been able to go in and show uh, that, uh, you know, certainly that it wasn't a two to one victory, that in specific precincts uh, where, you know, the touchscreens claimed or the election officials claimed that there were 10 votes for candidate X, you know, we can get affidavits from 20 People who say they voted for candidate uh, X. So basically, proving that you know there's a there's certainly election fraud on the machines uh, in those local elections in Kentucky.
0: So in in a small district, it's it's kind of easy to actually be able to do that. But you know, where if you would only have to get uh, whatever a, a couple hundred people to to sign affidavits that they voted a certain way, and then the official count was much less than that, that's pretty solid evidence.
2: Yeah, it's pretty solid evidence on the political level. Interestingly enough, on the legal level, there's really nothing in most states, uh, it's not actually true in Kentucky, but there's nothing you can do to uh, adjust your vote or, or you know, because once you cast your vote, it goes into the sea of votes, and it can, you know, never heard from again. There's no way to trace it back to the voter because of the of the secret ballot, you know, and so because of that, once your vote leaves your hands, there's no telling what happens to it. You know, sometimes people, you know, overvote you, like if you voted for Kerry, they just fill in the bush uh, thing too and that results in the cancellation of your of your vote. And then they just, you know, uh, elections officials like to say, "Oh, stupid voters! How could they be so stupid as to vote for two presidents?" <laughs> and there was actually one county in Florida in 2000 where there were thousands of overvotes for president, all coming out of uh, predominantly minority precincts near Jacksonville, you know, the state capital. And again, you know, it didn't get a lot of play, but that in and of itself decided the 2000 election. And I can guarantee you. That you know, uh, despite the fact that the presidential race was split up between you know two pages of that particular ballot, there weren't thousands of people that made that particular stupid mistake. You're dealing with uh, you know pre- deliberate overvotes as a strategy to you know cancel out people's votes.
1: There's a there's a related phenomenon with the with the the voting machines that. Um, that there are certain kinds of voting machines that have enormous undervote percentages. Again, really uh, not explicable by, by what we know about people's voting habits. So an undervote occurs when, when a voter votes for neither candidate or no candidate in a race. And, right. and this is a way of, if, if your jurisdiction is using one of these machines, then, you know, like if your county is using one of these machines that has high undervotes, then your county is really discounting your votes. It's it's decreasing its own power within the election.
2: Right. That definitely has happened, but there's also even more jurisdictions where the undervote rate, uh, if it's a touchscreen, comes in very, very low because basically if you don't vote in a particular race, then that is just a free vote that the machine can then allocate to its default <laughs> candidate.
0: <laughs> so, yes, the, these machines are, are real... Uh, a, a real issue and and as uh, we were saying earlier in the show that that uh, they are in in they are not secure they they uh what is the percentage of computer experts who say that the, these are not secure isn't it like 95% that that say yeah you know, well and that was just yeah,
1: a an full, overwhelming yeah. percentage and and the ones who who don't say that generally are in in the employ of uh either election Machine vendors or, <laughs> or departments of state.
2: <laughs> you know, the key, the key to that issue is that, you know, if you ask a legitimate computer expert, uh, there's no such thing as computer security on an absolute level. But what you can do is you can increase the cost, you know, the technical and financial cost, you know, to be very high to penetrate a given system by using various strategies, taking it off the Internet, you know, firewalls, all these other, uh, you know, seals and stuff like that. Basically, think of it this way. It raises the cost of penetrating the system. But if we do that, it's going to be very expensive. And then here's the situation you're left with. You still don't have a perfect system. Hackers still break into the Pentagon, for goodness sakes. But the only people that will be able to penetrate or compromise an election system will be big corporations, big governments, and CIAs and KGBs, who are exactly the people we're worried about.
0: Mm, yes. <laughs> that, so that's not a good thing. So so you uh, ha- have uh, some suggestions about a better way to do that. I want to get into that, but Stephanie, let we, we've been talking about this for a while, and I want you to go a little bit right now into the... The, the 2006 Election Verification Exit Poll Project Plan, You know, give us a basic outline of that and, and how uh, people can be involved in that.
1: All right, well, uh, Election Integrity is doing an election verification exit poll in 2006, a pilot project in the Philadelphia area. Now, people talk a lot about the media exit polls, but those exit polls are designed to predict the election quickly. They're not designed to be a check on the machinery that is used to count the votes and an election verification exit poll is exactly designed to be a check on the machine count so what we do is we pick a bunch of precincts and we send someone to each precinct to to we send people to each precinct to interview voters as they come out of the polling place and ask them how they voted and whether they voted on the machine or whether they voted on, say, a, a provisional ballot or some other kind of ballot. And from that, we will get strong statistical evidence of what the vote count ought to be in that precinct. Now, at the same time, we have a, an election data collection effort, and this is joint with the uh, Election Defense Alliance, um, and and we are creating a database of all the official information about the votes. So at the precinct at the end of the day, what do the machine tapes say? At the central counting location on election night, what numbers are being reported from those precincts? And then later on, what are the official numbers given for those precincts? And we're going to put all of that in a big huge database and we're going to do the best kind of data mining and forensic analysis on it. To look for patterns because if someone is uh, if someone is committing fraud by tampering with the votes, they have to do it on a large scale and they're going to leave a pattern behind it's kind of like a murder mystery you know there are always clues and a smart enough detective will find those clues so there there are two components really one is the exit poll and the other is this forensic data analysis and anyone who wants to get involved should go to our website, electionintegrity.org. They can sign up for our email list. And uh, by, by tomorrow, we should have up a special area of the website for volunteers so that they can, uh, they can, it, so that they can get directly involved. So one way that people can get involved is to collect data for us. Go to your local precinct at the end of the day and find out what's on the machine tapes and enter them we'll have a way on the, on this volunteer area of the website we'll have instructions for how to enter that information another thing that if people are really organized and can get people around them organized people can run their own exit poll in their own neighborhood now i should say that there's a difference between a professionally run exit poll like the one that we're doing and an amateur exit poll and i use the word amateur in the in the best sense of the word like amateur chamber musician and in, in the french sense, sense of someone who loves something isn't a professional but loves it right and wants to do it um, we have instructions on the website for how to do your own exit poll and we're very interested uh, in hearing your experiences and results if you do your own exit poll now the reason this is important is First of all, because it's going to give us information from all over the country, but even more, we are gearing up to be nationwide in 2008. And having people who have done an exit poll already, who have done data collection already, having people on the ground all over the nation who've gotten their feet wet is going to give us a core of people we can use when we scale up to the national level for 2008.
0: Well, that's great. Now, now how many races are you actually going to be doing your... uh, your professional poll uh exit poll at how how many particular races
1: we're doing in each precinct we're doing three races we're doing the governor we're doing the senate and the uh US Congress race
0: I, I, in but it, in how many precincts
1: we're doing about 25 precincts it, and it, to, to give you an idea uh when the media exit polls poll the entire state of Florida they don't they don't use more than forty precincts for the entire state of Florida. Okay, so and so, just so you get an idea, twenty-five is—it it sounds like a small number, but it's a lot of precincts for an exit poll.
0: Okay, and so th- this is all in in Pennsylvania, correct? That's correct. Okay, and so what you're doing though could make uh, be extrapolated to a uh, uh, a result for the whole state, right?
1: Well, no, no, that's no. What we are doing is we are setting up so that if there is fraud in any of the the precincts where we are polling we will find it
0: okay okay i got i got you so we we
1: wanted to do one big enough that we could have really uh talked about extrapolated to the whole state but but uh you know we we got a lot of funding in the last two weeks and we didn't get the funding before then and to organize an exit poll you can't just do it in two weeks no matter how much money you have
0: Right and you're doing this right you're doing it you're trying to be as scientifically uh, pristine as possible correct
1: Absolutely
0: Okay so uh that uh, electionintegrity.org go to that website if you want to find out more about it and if you want to get involved and uh Stephanie uh, any other information you want to give out as far as contact type of thing or suggestions for people uh in their particular area as far as, I mean, I know you mentioned being like an amateur uh, uh, exit uh, pollster or, or data collector. Anything else you want to say about that? The
1: more that that the average citizen can ask about what the process is by which the votes are counted, where it happens, when it happens, who is allowed to observe, the more people ask about that, the better off our democracy is. I, I think my generation—I'm—I'm I'm a little over forty. My my generation—we we grew up really so so used to systems working and and without major major electoral crises in 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 our in our in our formative years that I think we we've taken democracy for granted for a long time and and democracy doesn't survive if it's taken for granted uh, there's a story about Ben Franklin coming out of the Constitutional Convention and someone asks him well, is it a monarchy or a democracy? And he says it's a democracy if you can keep it. <laughs> and it's it's really up to every one of us if we really care about democracy. And remember, we are sending 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 kids to die in the name of democracy. Yeah, if that we really care about democracy. We need to defend it at home, and that starts in your precinct. The other thing people can do is for the next election. Uh, take election day off from work. Uh, work as a poll worker or as a poll watcher. Get involved in the mechanics of democracy. It's tedious, it's boring, the actual day to day of it, but it is so important, and you cannot have a democracy if you're not willing to do the work to take care of it.
0: Excellent advice. And uh, Paul Leto, election attorney, uh, you uh, are working on the uh, Busby Bill Ray race in San Diego?
2: Well, we have an election contest, and we are doing exit polling on that race. Uh, regarding the June 6th uh, special election, there's an election contest. But uh, we're also exit polling as much as we can on the uh, congressional race and any other races that we can uh, raise the funds to do. We've already raised $17,500. that will get us uh, an exit poll of a certain size. But uh, if it, there's also additional information, and if anybody wants to... Uh, we still have uh, the opportunity to increase the size of our exit poll, so if anybody wants to support that, you can just go to electiondefensealliance.org, and on the left side there's a button for exit polls, and you'll get information there as well as an opportunity if you'd like to, uh, to donate to increase the amount of uh, verification that we'll have in, the, but that'll be restricted to San Diego County.
0: Okay, and uh, get that web address again?
2: electiondefensealliance.org.
0: Okay, and so uh, we're getting towards the end of the show here. So, Paul, I want to give you a, a few more minutes. And uh, one, tell us why uh, you have a problem with just the the uh, e voting in general, and, and why how you feel that we need to have more just solid physical evidence of voting. Or I believe I understand that's what your thoughts are, but could you talk about that?
2: Sure. Well, you know, we could get uh, bogged down in lots and lots of information that's all interesting and important, but I think there are some very simple ways to look at this, that e-voting just is not, is not legitimate. Uh, number one, the votes are counted in secret. Um, all the mainstream media things that, you know, write about e-voting, just avoid this issue, but the fact is the votes are, are recorded invisibly if it's a touchscreen, and in, regardless whether it's a touchscreen or an op-scan, they're counted in secret. So it has no credibility, you know, if you uh, count the votes in a smoke-filled back room and that has the same amount of accountability, which is to say zero, if you count them secretly, uh, you know, using a computer instead of a smoke-filled back room. So that's huge problem, number one. A uh, huge problem, you know, uh, and really uh, a problem that cannot be solved because it's, you know, it's inherent in the technology itself. So that all by itself should mean that these things should be gone. I mean... I took a Zogby poll, and it came up with one of the highest political values ever measured in the history of the country, and that was 92% support. And what was that for? Voters had a choice, or the respondents in the poll had a choice between a state that said, you know, for security reasons, you know, we're going to keep everything really tight and we're going to, you know, not allow people to watch vote counting because of security reasons, and, and a state where voters had the right to watch the vote count and obtain information about it. Ninety-two percent of all political parties, it doesn't matter what your race, color, background of any kind, it was very close to 92 percent for all groups, said we want to watch the vote counting. And that makes perfect sense, because the government gets all of its money and its power through elections, so they can't run elections all by themselves. Or if we let them, you know, that's about the most foolish thing uh, you can imagine, I mean, I think the founders would be, you know, are rolling in their graves uh, with the state of affairs that's coming up right now. So we basically have a situation where we have one of the highest political values that is really believed in by Americans, and that is transparency in elections, and that is basically extinct. At least 80% is now electronic voting. And so we've got a huge disconnect there between what Americans value and what they think exists and what in fact exists, which is basically uh, secret vote counting. Another thing is that in the contracts that they use to purchase these things, they disclaim all warranties, which basically means in plain English, the, the vendors refuse to promise that the things will even work. It's like buying a used car as is. That's how they try to sell these machines. Since when would elections you know, be as is? I mean, come on. People should have uh, what I call an intellectual sit-in at their county council or whatever it is, and just keep asking the same question. How can you possibly agree to buy these things essentially as is? You know, we need elections that are going to work no matter what, not, you know, vendors that refuse to stand behind their products. So we could go on and on, but there's a series of simple reasons why this is completely invalid, and there's also lots of technical reasons. But I think it's important for people to have the big picture, and I think the, you know, the debate is so clear. I mean, there's really nobody that's, even vendors, they don't really have any comebacks for this kind of stuff. So it's only a matter of time before everybody knows this. But unfortunately, that can be a frustratingly long time, and that might even put us past the 2008 presidential election.
0: Okay, well, speaking of time, we're we're out of time here, so I, I do want to say, um, yes, uh, everybody uh, get out and vote and bring... Uh, Bring your cell phones, bring your cameras, bring your notepads, and pay attention and and, and, uh, document things that you see. And if you want to get more uh, uh, formally involved, uh, Stephanie, the website again?
1: Electionintegrity.org.
0: Okay, and Stephanie Singer, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And Paul Leto, uh, your uh, web address you want to give out again?
2: Uh, Electiondefensealliance.org.
0: Okay, and, uh, yeah, if you want, again, you guys agree, bring information to document things, whether you're formally doing this or informally?
2: Right, and make sure you submit your uh, evidence, too, and call 866 hour vote uh, the Velvet Revolution's uh, election number, and there are several others, but submit your information, too, and share it.
0: Okay, thank you so much for being with us, Paul Leto. Thank you. Okay, that's Paul Leto, election attorney, you spell his name L-E-H-T-O. And, uh, yes, uh, so thanks for listening today. This uh, kind of about wraps up out the rabbit hole here on KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson, and I want to let you know next week I've got coming up, I will have uh, uh, the writer and director of uh, the documentary Sir, No, Sir, The the suppressed story of the GI movement to end the war in Vietnam, a fascinating story and, uh, has so much relevance for where we're at today with what's going on with, uh, this war we're involved in now. So, um, Thanks again to both of our guests today. Stay tuned in uh, just a few minutes. Will Brusel will be up with the aggressive moderate, some more political talk uh, about the upcoming election. And yes, uh, this Tuesday, get out and vote. Bring your uh, pad and paper, bring your cell phone, bring your camera, document anything weird you see, and uh, uh, send your information along uh, to... uh, uh, again, go to uh, the website uh, that Stephanie mentioned, electioninintegrity.org, and, and the one that Paul mentioned as well. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye to you, uh, talk to you next week. This is Robert Larson, KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, also on the web at KUCI.org. Uh, you can talk to me on MySpace, myspace.com, backslash out the rabbit hole, or hit me up, uh, email RGLarson at KUCI.org. I'm going to leave you with some music by Rocky Erickson.